Today, uh, we are thinking about uh, John uh, chapter uh, 3. It's quite an amazing story. Uh, the story has been unfolding for us through uh, the Gospel of John. We first of all notice that uh, the Bible introduces us to Jesus, uh, the one who always was, the one who was God in the beginning, the incarnate one who walked among us, with us, in us. Uh, we notice the call of Jesus for others to come and see and to follow him. Uh, and the, these f first followers of Christ in the last part of chapter one. Uh, we went to a wedding uh, at Cana of Galilee and watched Jesus do his first miracle there at that wedding. And then last week he was uh, in the temple and we realized that Jesus cleans temples. Uh, not only the temple there in Jerusalem, but the temple that we are, the temple of God as the body uh, of Christ. Uh, so today, uh, Jesus teaches uh, Nicodemus. Here's the story. Uh, there was a Pharisee, a uh, member of the Jewish ruling council, a member uh, of, uh, of the Jews that was a leader. He came to Jesus at night and he said, uh, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God for nobody could perform the miracles that you perform if God were not doing that in him. Jesus responds to him, I say to you, uh, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Nicodemus is struggles and wonders. How, how can someone be born when he's old? Surely you can't enter a second time into your mother's womb to be born. Again, Jesus says, uh, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised that I'm saying this. Jesus says, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound. We notice that today, right? Uh, you hear its sound and you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked, you are Israel's teacher and you do not understand these things, Jesus says. Again, I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify of what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the son of man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Uh, that's, that's our story. Uh, it's the gospel of John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. This is such an exciting story. Um, there are at least two perspectives I'd like you to be thinking about, kind of the, the lens through which we can see this scripture uh, today. One is to recognize the key moments of personal spiritual decision. Uh, the key moments in personal spiritual What we have here is a man named Nicodemus, and we're going to look at this man who's on the brink of something very significant in his life. Uh, I think we all know what that's like. You know, when you come to a time in your life and it's a decision point, you're on the brink of some kind of decision or commitment or change in your life. And if you take a step back and you wonder if I'll, if, if, if I, am I going to respond to what God is doing in my life uh, right now? Maybe, maybe that's you even today. 
day? Uh, how is God working? How is God speaking uh, in your life? You get to the brink of an experience or a commitment, and it becomes a time of evaluation. We look at our lives, and we say to ourselves, I'm looking at my relationships. I'm looking at things that are happening in my life, and I'm on the brink of something that God is wanting to do uh, in my life. You know, God always knows what we need as he draws us to himself. God has been with you since you were conceived as, as a baby. Uh, maybe these are your closest days to God, how you've been responding to these personal encounters that God desires to have with you. Or maybe you've been resisting him and you've moved away from God. But I want you to know that God never relents. God never relents, uh, even with our resistance or indifference at times. God is always about drawing you to himself. He wants you to have a moment, a personal encounter uh, with God. And that's what we see happening, this moment of decision with Nicodemus. Uh, I've noticed that those things happen in my life and they, you come to crossroads. And in those moments, you can get sour or you can soar. Uh, you can go either way or the other. You can become kind of bitter about the circumstances of your life, or you can find yourself growing and, and seeing him add significance uh, to your life. So one thing I'd like you to think about is not only Nicodemus' personal moment of encounter with Jesus, but how about yours and where you are uh, today in your walk with God? The second lens I'd like you to look at this scripture through is understanding the Bible's difference between religion and regeneration. Religion and regeneration. You know, the Bible shows that there's a difference. Titus 3, 5 says, not by works of righteousness, which you have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Titus 3, 5. Uh, this little chart I gave you here shows the difference between religion and regeneration. Religion is man's effort to get to God. Regeneration is God coming to us to bring about transformation to us. Regeneration, recognize that I'm not simply seeking God myself, that God first sought me. They recognize that I didn't just love God. God first loved me. The Bible's so clear about that. Uh, regeneration, when you're given life, uh, God made us who we were intended to be, but sin comes, breaks us down, tears us apart, ruins us, relationships get broken, heartache comes, but God shows up. God shows up in our brokenness and he reveals himself to us and we see how God, what he has done for us. You know, sometimes it's believed that what happens in our relationship with God is like a legal transaction. That God looks at us, he knows our need, and that God makes this uh, legal transaction. What I mean by that is that I'm not really any different than I was. God's just not looking at me the same. It's almost like Jesus has got in front of me, and he's blocking the way, so God can't really see the kind of person that I am because he's looking at me through Jesus. And there's some truth to that, except that it's not just a legal transaction. God brings about change. God changes our heart. He changes who we are. You know, the Bible teaches us that God comes to us and takes away our sin by forgiving us through his death on the cross. But you notice that God does not forgive you and then just say, whew, I hope you do better than you, were, than you did. 
you know, almost like, you know, he didn't, there's no real change. You're just forgiven. That is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches regeneration, transformation of our heart. What that means is what made me like I was as a sinner, God is transforming my heart so I don't have to continue to live that way. I don't, I can, I see the, sometimes maybe some of you grew up in kind of a liturgical or a setting where it's almost like coming to church and doing religious things brings about the change in my life. You know, just going to church and singing a few songs and listening to the preacher and walking my way out is not going to bring about true transformation in me. But the spirit of God comes into my heart. The spirit comes in and brings about change and transformation. So there's a big difference between religion and regeneration. You can see the chart there. I can achieve God's favor through I'm working at it. I'm trying. But regeneration is God's love, undeserved gift given to us. Uh, religion says the good in my life can outweigh the sin. So I'm just trying to balance the scales and hopefully a little bit better uh, in my behavior, so that it makes my relationship with God right. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that Jesus' death on the cross forgives your sin, and that you don't, you're not just giving up one little part of your life, you're surrendering your whole life uh, to God, the transformation that he wants to bring. So I'm not just trying harder, I'm trusting more. I'm trusting him, putting my trust in him, I'm believing uh, in him. So those are some ways that we can look at this scripture. Now, uh, so let's, uh, let's meet Nicodemus. Uh, let's meet Nicodemus as he is seeking out uh, Jesus. So I, I told you, you got this man, the Pharisee, Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. Uh, so we meet him. Um, Nicodemus is struggling. G Nicodemus has uh, some questions, but he is a, he's a Pharisee. You know, he's one of uh, 6,000 Pharisees um, that, would, that, would, that come um, that are leaders, religious leaders in uh, Israel at the time. He's a part of the Jewish ruling council. Uh, that's not really clear if that was the Sanhedrin. Sometimes we hear about that. But he's certainly uh, not only part of the big group of Pharisees, but a smaller group of the Jewish ruling council. And then finally, uh, verse 10 later tells us that Jesus calls him Israel's teacher, Israel's teacher. Some, sometimes it's translated the teacher of Israel. Um, what that means is that Nicodemus was, was pretty well known. He was a well-known teacher among the people of God there. And so we meet this, uh, this Pharisee, this Israel's teacher, and we see him seeking out Jesus. You know, we are called to seek Jesus just as Nicodemus uh, sought out Jesus. It's incredible. He's one of the most important men of his society. He's at the top, religiously, morally, politically, socially, by all the world's standards. Nicodemus is a success, but something's wrong. He needed some time with Jesus. And while everybody else was seemingly putting down Jesus, uh, some of the Pharisees, some of the rulers, but he notices that he's working miracles. Here's something I don't really fully understand. And Nicodemus realized that he needed a personal moment with Jesus. Don't you need a personal moment with Jesus? A moment where you can offer your questions, your wondering, your heartache, your hurt, 
We need that sometimes in our lives. Uh, if we're going to, if our goal is to be a believer, putting our trust in him, maybe God wanted to do some things in his life to help him move forward. And maybe God wants to do things in our life to help us to grow in him. So we seek out uh, Jesus Christ. Um, you know, people notice that, that he comes to him at night. The Bible says he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we see you as a teacher has come from God. Nobody could do the things that you're doing if God was not with him. You know, I wonder why, why Nicodemus would come at night. Uh, sometimes maybe people say that he didn't want other people to see him coming. He didn't want to be uh, noticed there. Uh, he's a high religious leader. He's a, uh, Jesus is a controversial figure at this time. Uh, so that maybe that's a possibility. Uh, the possibilities are also that uh, he needed to find uh, some time with Jesus, some quiet moments with him to seek out Jesus for himself. You know, if he had come to Jesus in the midst of a crowd, maybe lots of people would have had opinions about him. You know, sometimes you just got to have a meeting with Jesus. Sometimes you just got to have it on your own. No, no preacher, no other opinions, just hearing for yourself what Jesus Christ says to you. That's the context of what's happening right here. I need that in my life. So even if you've been a believer 10, 20, 40 years, whatever, you need regular times with God, uh, especially if you're a newer believer uh, seeking out what does God think? What does he want in this situation? So in this encounter, uh, we see Jesus reply uh, to him. He says, verily, I tell you, uh, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. What Jesus says is amazing. It amazes us because the Bible said that Jesus replies to uh, Nicodemus, but Nicodemus didn't even ask a question yet. He's just making a comment about him. Uh, do you notice how God knows your questions before you even get them out sometimes? He knew exactly what he was thinking, and it says he replied to him, even though he hadn't asked the question yet. I love this about Jesus. Um, you can see how Jesus took, dealt with this encounter. Uh, first thing you notice is that Jesus gets right to the point. He gets right to the point. Uh, he doesn't beat around the bush. Uh, you know, he doesn't walk up to Peter earlier, we saw. He doesn't walk up to him and said, you know, I got a real investment opportunity for you. Could we, could we have a little conversation at home tonight? No, he says, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. He's like that with us. He goes straight to the point. He doesn't do it in a harsh way, but he does it in a clear way. Whenever you and I, uh, you know, come to him, Jesus comes to us, offers, offers us direction and clarity about he, what, what he wants to do in us. Also notice that Jesus changes the pronouns. Uh, Nicodemus says, um, we've been noticing, notice the we, we've been noticing that you're doing these incredible things and we know that you must be uh, sent from God. Jesus' answer is not, well, let me tell you what you boys are thinking about. Nope, he goes right to the you. He changes the pronoun from we to you. It makes you realize how personal he is. He says, I tell you the truth, um, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom unless they are born again. So Jesus knew Nicodemus' question before he even asked it. And then notice three different times, three, five, and 11. He says, very truly, I tell you. It's like, listen to me. I'm telling you the truth. Uh, almost like I'm putting it in bold for you to make sure that you don't miss it. Three different times uh, I am telling you. And what he's got to tell him is about the new birth. He's saying, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Uh, that's the answer. That's the bottom line. Be born again. 
The question had to be an incredible challenge to Nicodemus. And the only reason it's not an incredible challenge to us is because we heard it before. We've heard people use this idea of being born again. Uh, Nicodemus could have easily thought, well, those Romans need to be born again, but not us. I mean, we're the people of God. Uh, he could have been, he could have felt challenged. You know, this is the term uh, that D Jesus, Jesus uses, born again. Everybody in here has probably heard that phrase. It's used a lot of times in our society. If you listen, you'll pick it up. Somebody will say, well, that football team was so bad last year, but they're like born again uh, and they have a, a whole new season or uh, a business is on the skids and struggling and all of a sudden things are picking up and it's like they're born again. Uh, what people mean by that is there was kind of a, a renewal. There was things were difficult and now something's coming back. Uh, because it's used in that way, um, you know, we have to discern what it really does this mean. You know, born again is a Greek word that both means born again and born from above. So it's important for us to understand the word here, what he's saying, that it is not talking about just getting a fresh start. Almost like you would say, I'm turning over a new leaf. Maybe you feel, uh, that's not the idea here. The idea is Genuine transformation that happens uh, in being born again. Uh, you know, Nicodemus might have thought, well, I can just add this to my list of religious parts of my life. But Jesus is saying it doesn't work like that. You have to be born again. You've got to start fresh and new. So uh, just about all of us, uh, when we first start to have interaction with Jesus, uh, you know, maybe we want to add that to our life. I think I'll be a little more religious or I'll be a little more spiritual. But if you walk with Jesus very long, you learn very quickly that he's not interested in just being a little addition to your life. He wants to be your life. He wants to be everything about you. He's not just looking for one little aspect, some little spiritual part of who you are that can connect to everything that you are. He wants to soak in, saturate everything about you. That's being born again. Nicodemus had religion. When Jesus talked about being born again, he's talking about regeneration. He knew that Nicodemus was one among the people of God that thought if we keep the Ten Commandments, if we do these religious things, uh, recognizing that we're earning God's favor. But Jesus says it's about regeneration. It's about an undeserved gift that's given uh, into your life. Uh, when you realize how deeply sin has impacted us, uh, there's little that we can do to overcome and to outweigh the sin in our life. Not just deciding to be religious, but being transformed. I have to have my sin blotted out by the blood of Jesus. I have to have my mind transformed, my heart changed. Religion is just trying harder. Regeneration, transformation, being born again is being made completely brand new. You know, when you and I are born again, that means you don't have the same past that you had. Uh, you're forgiven. Your future is full of bright hope. You know, I met some people that were born again at 30 or born again at 50, or I know somebody was born again at nine or six all throughout our life, a moment where we could, you know, you could legitimately answer when somebody says, how old are you? You could tell them a spiritual number rather than a physical number. <laughs> hey, there you go. That's a good new plan for you right there. Uh, recognizing that 
Well, God has brought about transformation. I heard about this, this uh, high school kid that was, uh, went to this special event. A friend took him along, and he noticed there was a sign-in book, and everybody that was signing in, most of them were a part of a university, and so they would sign their name, and they would put some letters behind their name. It meant that they had some higher degrees. You know, they had uh, some degrees behind their name and they would put it there. So this high school kid comes up and he notices that and he says, uh, he thinks to himself, well, I don't have any degrees, but he puts the letters B.A. and M.A. past his name. Well, his friend that's behind him looks at that and says, you shouldn't lie about stuff like that. He said, I'm not lying. He said, my name is John, and I'm born again and marvelously altered by Jesus Christ. B-A-M-A. I like that. Uh, he's saying he had a personal encounter with Christ, and he never made a better decision than that because Jesus wasn't just part of his life. It was his life. Born again, marvelously altered. Um, yeah, Jesus says to Nicodemus, you have to do this. Um, Nicodemus' response is, How? Uh, how can it be possible? Uh, verses four through eight, he says, how can someone be born when they're old? Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the spirit. Uh, so he's giving us some perspective here. He's talking about being born again, but he's re reminding us that he's talking about the physical and the spiritual here. Um, the memory verse for us today is John 3, verses 6 and 7. We're going to say the verse together. I hope that you will learn this verse. Such a key verse from uh, the words and teaching of Jesus. And so uh, we're going to say the reference and the verse, and then we'll say the reference again. Ready? John 3, 6 through 7. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. John 3, 6 and 7. So here, here's this questioning that is coming from Nicodemus. Uh, he, he really asked the question two different times, and two different times uh, Christ is giving him uh, an answer. The first answer is don't let the physical blind you to the spiritual. Don't let the physical blind you to the spiritual. You see what Nicodemus' problem is? All he can see is the physical. He's thinking about birth. Uh, he says, Jesus says, birth with water and birth of the spirit. You know, sometimes people like to make this verse really difficult. They like to try to make it complicated. You know, Jesus is talking about physical birth. Uh, you know, somebody having their water broken. Uh, it's the idea of water being the connection there of a physical birth that takes place. And he's saying in the same way, there's a spiritual birth, uh, to take. but don't get mixed up. Don't get blind uh, to that. The first time uh, when he's answering Nicodemus, he's asking Nicodemus to understand the truth, that there is a spiritual birth that takes place. The second time he's asking him to commit his life. Nicodemus says, how can this happen? How can this take place? He's revealing something important and it shows something important about transformation. Uh, not just looking at the physical around us, but recognizing the spiritual work that God desires to do. Isn't it beautiful how Jesus has an amazing way of making the complicated very simple? Makes the complicated very simple. So he, he says, flesh gives birth to flesh and spirit gives birth to spirit. Uh, that makes sense, doesn't it? 
Birds give birth to birds and dogs give birth to dogs and human beings give birth to human beings. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Physical bodies give birth to physical bodies. Spirit, however, gives birth to spirit. So Jesus takes this incredibly complex idea and he makes it very, very simple. He, you know, we're reminded that um, God breathed into us and we were created in a garden, but also in a garden we sinned and God didn't kill us, but it says that we died spiritually. We died spiritually, not physically. Um, and we are uh, born again through him. He gives us uh, the needed new birth uh, that started back in the Garden of Eden. So that's the principle for us to, uh, to see there. He says in verse 7, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. You cannot see the kingdom of God unless you've experienced spiritual new birth. All of you experience physical birth. Pretty sure. But have we all experienced the spiritual birth that Christ is talking about here? Uh, you can't see the kingdom of God. Notice in verse 7, the word must. You must be born again. So Nicodemus keeps hearing this truth from Jesus over and over again. Uh, uh, then he gives an example in verse 8. He talks about the wind. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound and you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. What's he talking about? He's talking about the wind. He says, you know, the wind is real. I saw you coming in today and you're all doing this uh, and straightening yourself up. The wind is real. You couldn't see it, but it was making a difference in your appearance and how you came in. It was having an effect on you. Um, so he says that you need to recognize that even though you can't see it with your eyes, it is true. It is alive. It is at work in us. And he's saying the wind is powerful. It blows wherever it pleases and you hear the sound and you don't know whether it's coming or going. He's not talking about us. He's not talking about us being wandering and wandering and being blown from here to there. Uh, he's talking about the wind and he's saying that the wind can't be controlled, that the wind can't be controlled. You can't put control on the Holy Spirit. Oh, Nicodemus would have hated that, don't you think? He would have hated that. Everything in his life religious life, everything was under control, controlling his environment, controlling other people. But uh, you, you, you read here in the Bible and he gives us this example of his work. And so Nicodemus says, verse nine, how can this be? You are Israel's teacher and you don't understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, uh, have you not believed? Have you not accepted our testimony? I've spoken earthly things to you and you don't believe. I've talked to you about physical things that you can see and you don't even believe that. How are you going to believe in heavenly? It's a great question, right? You know, we come together in this place to remind us that we are to be people of faith. We are people of faith that put our trust in Christ, even though we can't see everything that's happening. Uh, you know, if you are dependent on everything being able to be seen with your eyes, uh, your faith will be weak. He's asking your faith uh, to grow in him. Uh, you know, I, I noticed here that uh, he had to admit what he didn't know, admitting uh, what he did not uh, understand. Um, you look at Nicodemus, his willingness, he's in this great position there. Uh, he could have come up with all kinds of reasons not to, to listen to what Christ was saying, but he admitted what he did not know. He didn't understand what was happening, but the call of Jesus 
was to choose to believe, to choose uh, to believe. Uh, he said, we testify. He's testifying to him. He's telling him the truth. He's recognizing him. He says, uh, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the son of man. I don't know all that that means exactly. But one thing it means for sure is there's nobody else on the earth to teach us what heaven is really about what things are really about there. You know, you hear sometimes about people that have these moments where they, you know, go to heaven and saw the light and all that stuff. And I have no idea if what, what is all that. Some of that stuff is amazing. But the truth is the only one that you can really trust to tell you what heaven is about and what heaven is going to be about is Jesus Christ himself. That's why we have an encounter with him. Uh, there's all kind of ways to, to hear things, but all those are guesses. All the other religions of the world, all they're doing is guessing because God comes to us and says, be born again. I want you to believe. I want you to trust uh, in, in me. Verse 14 and 15 at the end here, he gives him an example. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life. Now, if, if you're not like really familiar with the Scripture, you might wonder, what just happened in the Scripture? What is he talking about? Well, there's a Scripture in the Bible that tells us that uh, in the Old Testament, when the people of God. It's in the book of Numbers. Uh, the people of God were not being faithful to God. Uh, God was continuing to do great things like he split the Red Sea and saved them. He provided them manna. Be nice to have a little manna this afternoon. When they, tell you, when they have to cook dinner, you just go out and uh, have some. He gave, he gave them blessing after blessing after blessing, and yet they continued. You remember, if you've read the Old Testament, how, how difficult it was for them to continue to believe. So one time, uh, this uh, the story is told that there were uh, snakes in the camp there that bit the people uh, that were poisonous. And so the people are complaining because they're in this moment of suffering. They haven't been faithful to God. And so God tells Moses to put a snake on a pole. And that when the people, um, you know, when the people go around and touch the snake and get, no, I didn't say that. I didn't say that the snake is going to provide some kind of remedy for it. You know, remember what it said? The Bible says they were told to look and live. You know, if you know that old hymn, look and live, my brother live, look to Jesus now and live. It is recorded in his word. Hallelujah. It is only just to look and live. It comes right out of that story reminding us uh, that looking at Jesus Having a personal encounter with Jesus is what makes all the difference. And at the end, it says, everyone, that's all of us, everyone, everyone who believes, everyone who believes may have. Here's the offer. Here's the opportunity. Everyone who believes may have eternal life in him, in him. It, you can tell we're right at the edge of our, of our all-time verse, right? John 3.16. Next week, we'll spend time with 3.16. I've encouraged you to uh, invite some friends to come and see that we can talk together about the most famous, meaningful verse in the Bible, John 3.16. And that's what he's preparing to say. He says you're going to have uh, eternal life. 
You know, sometimes it's translated eternal life. Sometimes it's translated everlasting life. Sometimes we wonder if those are the same things. Really, they're the same thing, according to the Bible. Uh, one simply emphasizes that there's no beginning or end, uh, no beginning. And the other one emphasizes there's no end. Uh, eternal life, no beginning. Everlasting life, there is no end. Uh, as you bring those two together, and it's all in Christ. What an amazing promise he gives to us. Look to him, be born again, and live. So he's calling out to Nicodemus. He's calling out to us, make belief the daily measure of your spiritual life. He's saying to him, make belief, put your trust in him, look to Jesus, and live. Uh, how can this be? Jesus says it's possible through looking at Jesus is lifted up on the cross. We look up at him, and we put our trust completely in him. That's our, that's our calling. That's our try. We're not just trying harder. We're not just gritting our teeth and doing better. We're allowing the spirit of God to come into our heart, into our life. And Jesus says, you must be born again. You must uh, be transformed. You can't do it in your own strength and your own health. He really wants to make a difference in your life. Jesus Christ comes to regenerate you, to take you and all the negative things that have happened in your life, all the ways the devil has tempted and caused you to struggle, all the ways that you've allowed sin and choices in your life. Jesus Christ is in the process of making you brand new, making you transformed on the inside. Maybe you wonder, can I live? a righteous Christian life? Can I live a life for Christ on your own? No chance. Impossible. But in him, he changes me. He changes the way I think. And he changes the attitudes of my life. You know, if you're still struggling in what it means to be a Christian, maybe have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Let him bring about this born again experience in you. A couple questions for us to conclude. Question number one, how will you respond to your moment of decision? I don't know if it's today. I don't know when it will be. Maybe it'll be through some circumstance or difficulty, but I'm telling you, as long as you're breathing, Jesus is, is coming for you. Jesus will not allow you just to live in resistance. He keeps coming toward us. He'll create those personal moments, but he wants you to seek him out. What, what does he want to say to you? What personal spiritual decision will you make for Christ? You know, it's amazing, but you can make a decision sitting in this room right now or watching at home. You can make a decision that will determine where you're going to spend eternity. It's as simple as that. He doesn't wait for us to follow a, a bunch of different rules or checklists. Or, he says one thing, you must be born again. You must be transformed on the inside. Second question, will you lay aside religion and seek God to be, bring regeneration to your heart? You know, if, if your mindset is still that I came to church this morning because I, I need to continue to support the religious part of my life, Jesus has way more for you than just being religious. He wants to bring about regeneration of your mind and your life through the new birth in Jesus Christ. Could, could we bow together? This morning, if you know what I'm talking about, uh, you, you remember 
this transforming work that he has done in you and the desire that he continues to work on you. I'm not finished yet. I'm certainly not perfect. God is still working on me, uh, bringing about the regeneration, the transformation of my heart. So if you know that today, uh, celebrate that. Give glory to him uh, that he is bringing that level of encouragement and support to you. But maybe you're in this service today and uh, maybe you, you'd say you're a Christian, but maybe you're more religious than you are born again. Transformation. Just in the quietness of this moment, we're going to say a prayer. And I'd invite you to let yourself believe. Do you believe? Will you put your trust in Jesus Christ, not in just some religious experience, but letting him bring about the transformation of your heart? How are you going to experience eternal life? Everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. That's the offer that he makes to you today. Heavenly Father, thank you for these moments together today. Thank you for this incredible story that we can see and understand. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to realize what is happening in this story. And that just as we walk out in a little while and the wind is blowing, may the wind of the Spirit be blowing in us. May we not just celebrate the day that we were born of flesh, but may we celebrate and recognize the spiritual birth that we have through Jesus Christ. Help us today, Lord, to consider our personal moments of encounter with you. Help us to seek Jesus and help us to believe in our hearts that it's not just some things that we do, but it's the transformation of my heart that I must be born again. Lord, I pray that every person that's, that's listening or in this service today would learn what that means as we have an encounter with you, as you teach us, and as you bring about this powerful work of your spirit giving birth to our spirit. We love you. We praise you together. In Jesus' name, amen.